time is getting serious and I need you to understand that these types of mistakes can't happen because there will be a day in which I'm not with you and calling down fire from heaven is not the response for social change. So now Jesus setting his face begins to cultivate disciples whose faces have yet to be set. So as we drop into the text for today, we find that we meet three different people with three different experiences of facing Jesus who has therefore set his face toward Jerusalem. So what we have therefore is a face off. What happens when you face the God of creation? What happens when you face the Lord of your salvation and you must give an account for your discipleship journey? What happens when an individual must recognize their relationship and must hold it into account when they face the God that Job speaks about? Will you partner with God in that work? Will you engage God in that work? Or will you shirk back? So this face-off, this moment of confrontation is not to dissuade these disciples, for we do not know if they joined the merry wagon or not. But what we do know is that Jesus, by fixing his attention, has eliminated distraction and therefore eliminates the distraction from those who seek to follow him. So the first thing Jesus says, he's walking along the road and a guy shouts out, I will follow you. Awesome. But before you grab your satchel and leave your situation, before you tell your wife and children bye, before you begin to amass your belongings and have a yard sale, before you tell your friends I'm leaving with Jesus, Jesus says foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus confronts the need for certainty in each and every one of us. Some people, they fear the destiny and the danger because this is uncertain. I don't know what I'm going to face. Why would Jesus respond to this man in this manner unless he could see the uncertainty in his eyes? I'll follow you, but that look of, but where are we going? Does he not know, I could imagine Jesus thinking, that I'm going to the cross? Does he not know what is going to happen to me? So before you hastily decide to engage in this work, before you quickly join the movement of other people, take account for yourself. Do you need to worship at the altar of certainty to be a Christian? And if you do, then that might make you a candidacy, a candidate for idolatry. For Jesus is saying, I can't tell you what's going to happen here, but I know what's going to happen. So if you need to know the itinerary and where the gas station is and where the bathroom is and when are we going to go get snacks? This may not be for you. But the good news about that is that the Bible talks about that those flowers, those lilies, these these seemingly unprotected animals are arrayed beautifully 
by the God of creation. So though you might be insecure about what's going to happen, there is something about God being with you that will help you deal with the I don't knows of this life. So there's, I don't know, there's the insecurity of not knowing the future. Jesus is saying, I need you to understand that I'm going to face off with your insecurity, but I'm also going to face off with your poor sense of priority. For Jesus says, look, he's walking again. He tells another man, follow me. It was these same words that brought in some of his current disciples. Follow me was good enough for some that were already following. But follow me wasn't good enough for this fellow. So I can imagine Jesus' annoyance at the fact that follow me worked for these people, but follow me isn't quite good enough. Why? I have a good reason, God. Let me go first bury my father. Hmm. It seems like he gets a hall pass here, right? He has a legitimate reason. But it's strange to say, I will do something, but first. So the issue at stake is, what is first when God is talking to you? First, but you're talking to Jesus. I'm going to put something above what you say, though it's dear to me. When you look at Jesus' disciples and they left behind mothers, fathers, children, and lives. When Jesus faces each and every one of us as individuals and as institutions, what is our reply? going to be. Well, but first we need to do this, and but first we need to do that. But putting things above God seems to violate one of those commandments that we hold so dear. So, but first let me do something good. But when Jesus makes a claim on your soul, it reshifts the priorities and the relationships that we hold. So maybe this is true when Jesus says, I've came to separate mother from daughter and father from son. Because it reshapes the way that we live together. Oh, what a transformed campus we would be if we stopped putting certain things first. My needs come first. My this comes first. There are things that supersede our first. And if those things are then sublimated, we have chaos in the community. So there's a face off. Lastly, because another guy says, I want to follow you. But first, let me say farewell to my people. I love Jesus's answer here. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Jesus confronts distracted discipleship. How can you plow if you're not looking forward? Has anybody ever plowed a row before? I, I'm sorry, I'm country, so that's not, that's not outside of the realm of my being. Thank you, I knew I had one, amen, amen. 
But in order to plow something straight, you need to fix your attention on what's in front of you so that the rows are not uneven. Because uneven rows slow down the process of cultivating the field. You can't be a disciple and live a distracted life. You have to set your face to what's important. You have to set your attention to what God is calling you to because a distracted life is a frustrated life. Maybe that's the beautiful benefit of this seminary that maybe for a small glimpse of time, you're able to then focus your attention and fix your face on seeing God more profoundly. Maybe this time here is for you to understand that there is something at work. The kingdom of God is amongst us here, but you can't see it if you're distracted. Now, I can imagine that this hold, this, this grip on this plow can be rather tiresome. The day-to-day, the nine-to-five, the six-to-ten, the long weekends, I can imagine that your grip gets weak. If you're like me, there seems to be more things to do than time to do them. But I'll share this with you. We hold to God's hand, God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's hand, God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on those things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand. And you will be able to see and you will be able to say that I know, that I know, that I know that I've set my face and I'm walking where Jesus will walk.